This is the Tech Talk for Accountants show with your host, Andrew Lassis, where every week we have a new guest to discuss the latest technology, apps, tips, and tricks to help you improve your accounting firm. This episode is brought to you by Tech for Accountants, an IT firm that specializes in cybersecurity for the small accounting firm. Many of our clients used to work at big firms that had all this crazy security and then went to work for themselves, and while they knew it was important to have great IT security, they just have too many other things to worry about and don't have enough time to actually learn this stuff. What we do is help bridge the gap so that even small accounting firms have great security at a fraction of the cost of doing it themselves, and it's all done for you. We offer listeners to the show a complimentary IT audit and consultation. Just go to tech4accountants.net slash podcast. And you can book a free IT audit. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I'm your host, Andrew Lassis with Tech for Accountants, IT specializing in the accounting industry. And on the topic of niches, today we've got Rachel Fish, who is going to be talking with us today about mergers, acquisitions. We're going to be talking about niching. And she's a community builder, people connector who helps tech companies understand accountants, which is huge for someone in my space, and helping accountants transform their firms with innovative tech, which is what I need to shove in all my (laughs) clients' throats. And she's also the owner of a niche firm focused on real estate agents and brokers, realty tax. Rachel, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Andrew? Oh, I'm fantastic. So you have a lot of big things going on right now. So let's, let's hit it on the the biggest thing that's happening in your life right now. Right now. Right um, now, after mid-September, <laughs> as of right now. Yeah, so right now, uh, we just recently closed a, um, I, sorry, I recently closed an acquisition of a, as you said, a niche firm uh, focused on real estate agents. Um, and actually a workflow around real estate brokers is something that I've been doing on the side, like a complete nerd, because building workflows like that are just what I do for fun. And so I'm able to actually bring kind of that work around brokers and bring it to this firm who uh, focus on real estate agents. And so now we've got a more holistic uh, firm around um, tax and accounting for real estate agents and brokers all in one spot. So is kind of the concept of the brokers almost like a business development of you get in with the broker and then therefore you'll get in with all the agents instead of like a one-to-one, you're kind of- Like my in. strategy? Yeah. yeah. So it is, so it's kind of like, I mean, the best way that I can explain it is kind of like a franchisee, franchisor kind mm-hmm. of model, right? Where there's your real estate company. So like your Century 21s, your Remaxes, whatever. But then there are also the offices that are in cities and towns, you know, all across North America. And then within those offices, there are independent agents that then actually go out and doing do the buying and selling of the homes. So in Canada, we've got some interesting things. And I think that it's the same in the some of the states in the US as well where those agents are not considered employees, I think that's more of an Australian model, those agents are either independent contractors or professional real estate corporations. And so it kind of follows that medical model 
uh, where you know you've got a doctor who is their own professional corporation. And so now very similarly with real estate agents as well. So you know we're either working with sole proprietors um, that are just independent contractors, either they're not big enough to incorporate or they don't want to incorporate. And then we also take agents through the corporation process and work with those professional corporations. And then, of course, we work with the brokers that they work for. So, uh, yeah, it's a great uh, network of um, and this is one of the benefits of niches, right, <laughs> is that a really tight network where brokers know each other and agents know each other or an agent goes from one broker to another and says, hey, I really liked, you know, the way Rachel and the team worked with us and so you know start spreading the word there as well so I mean networking is absolutely one of the one of the strategies or one of the reasons you know why uh, one of the benefits at least of, of niching for sure I'd also say in the realtor market it's one of the things that everybody's got 17 realtors <laughs> that they know <laughs> Yeah. Everyone has got a person and no one actually knows. I mean, I've literally, I've probably, I, I kid you not like one minute before we started recording, I got a phone call from a title company because I just sold a house. Like just, it just <laughs> happened. Just happened. So yeah. like on the topic of realtors, yeah, I went with a close friend. I know her, my friend had used her before and he said she was really good. I had no reason to think that she wasn't any good and went with her because we're friends. I assume that she's going to do a good job. And as far as I know, she did a great job. You know, I right. had a number in mind where I wanted to sell the house and we got that number. Great. So for the layman, that's, that's all I know. But right. You know, how she got my business was just from knowing each other. Yep. Right. So lots of word of mouth. Yep. A lot of word of mouth, a lot of trust equity, which we yes. see it all the time in IT. We see it all the time in accounting where we've had the same clients for 20 plus years because they know me, they like right. me and they have no reason to look elsewhere because we're doing a good job. But at the same time, it's like there could be realtors better than her. Like statistically, there must be. So I'm building off of or she's building her business off of the network and people that yeah. she knows. And it's not like, oh, well, when I met her seven years ago, this was the end game, knowing that I'd eventually be selling, you know, my rental, you know, it's, right. it's just yeah. like, we happen to be friends and she got my business and I don't have any way other than, okay, I think this is what a good job looks like. <laughs> looks so like, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I ran through that with one of let's, my accountant from like five years ago, I like tiptoe around this. So it doesn't sound as nightmare terrible as it was, but the guy told me he was doing a good job. I had no idea whether or not he was or wasn't that, right. Yeah. Yeah. Until another accountant looked over my numbers and asked if he was in a bad accident that year. Cause it's the only justification he could come up with for how an actual person could have possibly submitted my return. And it's like, oh. dude, I'm a tech guy. I don't <laughs> and it was done. I said, okay, what am I gonna question him on it? Yeah. So. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And and it's true. I mean, how do you even measure what a good, you know, real estate agent looks like? 
um, you know, is it, do you have certain expectations of what working together looks like? Um, I mean, they do free consultations all the time, you know, hoping that they'll get a listing out of you. And so it's really just kind of having, trying to make that connection uh, right from the beginning. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I look at what I just went through and this kind of digs into that topic of niching. Say there was a realtor in my area and he specializes in companies or he specializes in IT owners that also happen to have four or more rental properties that is looking to (laughs) no longer rent out. Like as (laughs) much as Amy did a great job, like if that guy exists... I'm probably gonna at least hear him out, right? Well, and there are, so my sister um, just bought a house, but they're able to keep their old house and turn it into a rental. There are different agents who specialize in commercial properties, residential properties, ownership, rentals, right? Like there are different agents. So she's actually dealing with a couple of different agents on the sell. And then of course there's the selling and the buying and sometimes they're the same one and sometimes they aren't. And, but I mean, when you look at, the number of real estate agents that there are out there. I also checked, um, it is one of the most um, recession resistant um, careers as well. So building an accounting firm, which is also one of the top recession resistant careers, accounting (laughs) with real estate, um, I think, I think no matter what happens, we'll be okay. But uh, yeah, it's been really exciting to kind of dig my feet in. I've had a an in-depth or I've had quite an extensive network for a really long time. It's just how I operate and how I work. And so um, I feel like a little bit of, well, a big uh, newbie in this space because I don't know it as well as, you know, others know it, but um, I have a passion for solving um, for industries that, you know, do not have a lot of automation or cloud tech. And so this is actually the the new approach that we're bringing Um, You know, a lot of accounting firms will deal with agents um, because you can, you know, set them up on Dext plus, you know, QBO or Xero. And it's a it's a pretty standard tech stack. And and you've got, you know, your tax, your tax or your payroll or whatever on top of that. But then when it comes to brokers, it's actually much more complex um, because it's very desktop heavy right now. Uh, The software that's in the broker space, very paper full. Um, a lot, uh, I feel like we're going through a bit of a generational shift where we've got, you know, more senior brokers that are, you know, have succession plans to whether that's their family members or to some other brokers in the, in their firm. And so, um, we're seeing that turnover, but at the same time, then we're seeing an expectation of more digital tools or more cloud tools. There are actually a phenomenal number of apps for the youth, for expressly used by real estate agents, whether it's how they do their listings, how they book their showings, um, how they market. I mean, they're doing drone photography and video. Like, it's like all of these things are very tech enabled, (laughs) except this core hub of the broker itself. And so that was the piece that I really wanted to come in and kind of disrupt. So as far as I know, we are the only real estate agent and broker specialized full cloud accounting firm in Canada. Um, so that's that's pretty exciting. And being alone in that space, especially if it starts to get traction and you know this was just kind of my experience like most of the time in in the IT industry it would be like like their version of niching would be like 
and and this is what ours was until like two years ago, right? It was it was like we are an IT company, and I've got three chiropractor clients, so we specialize in chiropractors <laughs> because all three of our clients use ChiroTouch, and I can speak ChiroTouch. And if you happen to also coincidentally use ChiroTouch, then we've got three other people on the same thing. So right, we we, we just specialize do- in it. Right, right. Yeah. It's like we've got 99% of our other clients that are not chiropractors, but like <laughs> if we just hang on to this little thing and make a landing page on Google, like <laughs> maybe people will land on it. And then, right. yeah, I'm giggling because I see that in accounting firms all the time. We're very, very small firms. If you go to like their industries we serve and it's like a page long and I'm like, we niche in you know, commercial real estate and construction. And I'm like, no, you don't. I think David Leary says, if you say, and within that sentence, how you niche, you are not a niche. <laughs> like, um, unless you're just further defining your niche, not if you're adding something to it. Right. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, I almost look at like our name, right. The tech for accountants. And then like, as <laughs> we dig in and it's like, gosh, <laughs> like there's way more like, I thought three years ago, like all accountants do taxes, but now it's like, it could have been like tech for tax accountants. And then our and would be like, and And. CPAs that don't do tax (laughs) and, (laughs) and bookkeepers that don't answer to the, like, you know, it's still under that umbrella, but I think, yeah, a lot of people will just throw up. Well, I've got some experience with it. Therefore I must be an expert in it. And that was well, kind of like our decision of just, we're going to yeah. put freaking accountants in our name and, and that really helped. Right. And so this is also, again, so have we got into like the tips on niching? Because I feel like we've kind of fallen into it already. <laughs> with Let's get into it. Make it your name, make it your name, right? Yeah. Realty tax. Oh, realty tax. Realtors. We're on the same boat. <laughs> realty tax. <Yeah>. What, <laughs> what could you possibly be doing? Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's smart. It, it does draw a line in the sand, but then, you know, I, I have my own views and opinions and experience on this, but what about if a restaurateur came to you and was like, Rachel, I like you so much. I want you to be my account. Wait, realty. You can't handle me. I'm a restaurant. <laughs> right. And it's not that I can't, Honestly, in my case, I don't want to. So I have, again, back to, I have a really deep network. I have accountant friends who are fantastic at restaurants, fully niched in only restaurants. Let me refer you to an accountant that only serves restaurants, just like I only serve real estate agents and brokers. So I think that was also very much a conscious decision, even going through the purchase process thinking through, you know, what is it that I want this firm to be once I buy it and all of those things is um, what happens if another lead, like, am I really going to say no? Um, Yes. So I've decided I am really going to say no. I am really going to restrict the clientele to only real estate agents and brokers. And I'm going to lean on my network um, and make referrals wherever possible um, because what you're able to do within a niche environment if all of your clients are that niche. Um, And we have some legacy clients, right? Same as any firm um, who are not real estate agents and brokers. But going forward, 
Um, if all we do is agents and brokers, and that's all that we take on, we can, I mean, fine tune our sales process to be exactly, you know, this is how we know, you know, agents and brokers work. This is how we know their timeline is. This is when we know their busy times are, or when they have, you know, association conferences, those kinds of things. It just helps us with everything we could know about that potential client far greater than, you know, a wide variety of, of industries. And so, yeah, I would actually refer that client off. And that's one of the hardest things I know for at least like a smaller firm where, you know, every client counts and yeah. it's like, can I even afford to turn down this business? But I mean, our experience, we would get one to th well, zero to three leads per week is, is, yeah about what we would get zero to three and like today. And so, I mean, right now it's 2 PM Eastern. We have three today and today's a whatever day. Like we've had some days where we've gotten over a thousand and it's like, and they're all accountants, uh, bookkeepers, enrolled agents, CPAs, yeah. AFSP is like the whole gamut of, of the accounting industry. And right. it's like, we know exactly how to speak to them. Yeah. And I mean, always learning for sure. But things like, don't you hate how everyone thinks that you do tax when you're a bookkeeper? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yes, we, hate, we this. hate that. <laughs> you know our pain. And it's like, yeah. do you think another tech company is going to know that you don't right. do tax? But this then goes to even how deep you could get with that, right? So even within your tech for accountants, which is specific enough to be very clear, but general enough to still include different customer profiles. So you still need to go through and do your work on ideal customer profiles, right? Yep. Is that there's almost like these sub-segments of these tax accountants and these auditors and these bookkeepers, because what they need in their tech solution could be very different, you know, Absolutely. the way that they work and where they, when, when their busy times are, et cetera. And so, I mean, in our case, it's really agents and brokers. There really isn't a lot more that we could, you know, segment off. But as I mentioned, the brokers do have a much more robust and a much more um, complex workflow and needs on their side than agents do. And so, you know, we're starting to kind of, or I'm building with the intention of kind of segmenting that off so that we've got an agent team and a broker team as well, because they're going to need slightly different things. And what are some of your ideas, or if you have in place, See, I'm, I also fall into that like workflow nerd, um, automate everything <laughs> for like, the fun of it. Yeah. Yeah, like literally it was like, it's like at dinner the other day, I put a note, like Trello's how I do everything. And it was like, you know, we could automate this too. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. ah, screaming kids, whatever. Like this is important. I don't want to forget <laughs> that I should look into automating this thing that happens yeah. like once every other week and takes three minutes. I can yeah. automate that. Yeah. So what what do you like in in your tech stack for for workflow, say in its simplest form? And it can be you could sure. name the vendors or keep it agnostic either way. Yeah. What so I mean on the client side, um, I think I mentioned, you know, Dext and QB over zero. Um, what I've also found is that you know, when people talking talk about being agnostic or being, sorry, not agnostic, so being niche to a specific 
GL. So GL is what we call the accounting software. So that would be your GL is your QBO, it is your Zero, it is your Sage. Um, but what I found is that as long as the client facing tech is similar or the same, it actually matters slightly less what your GL is. Um, in our case, for example, the existing clientele are all on QBO, um, but the tech that we use for brokers, which is called Loft 47, um, although it does do zero and QBO, I really like the way that it works with zero best. And so it could be that, you know, we'll end up with brokers on zero and then, you know, agents on QBO, or then what happens if we've got a broker that <laughs> that's with zero and then the agents then also want to be zero, right? It, it starts to matter a little less, um, as long as that tech on the front end, um, is good. So as I said, right now it's, it's Dex plus QBO or zero. Um, but I'm looking to to kind of smooth that out a little bit. Um, I'm looking at partnering with, it's an organization called Owner, O-W-N-R uh, .ca in Canada. And that's basically the company formation, right? So if you're a brand new agent, you don't even have your sole proprietorship set up yet, we can help you do that. You know, get your tax account set up. Same with incorporation, owner can help you do that. And of course you've got providers in the US that will do that. So we're kind of then taking it from this, just the expense and the GL side of things. And we're kind of going, starting on the front end, which is the front end. Um, we're starting on the front end with owners or the company formation. And then we're going to bring you into, you know, that workflow. Um, and then because we're only working with um, agents and brokers, and this is where, this is where I feel like niche kind of gets um, super powered with tech is because then we can start to look at options or opportunities that I may not be able to within a more generalized firm. So um, one thing that we're taking a look at is Rails, R-A-I-L-Z. Um, again, it's it's like an API connector between financial or accounting data. Um, and so there are, there are other connector type tools. Rails is the one that I'm using because again, right now we're exclusively in Canada, although we can talk about expanding later. Um, and so basically I'm going to be able to get some realtor agent, like real estate agent and broker specific KPIs that I know that they need for their, whether it's board reporting or, you know, brokerage reporting, um, as well as benchmarking across those as well. And so the way that we're able to then use the data um, I feel like it really just kind of, um, yeah, uh, superpowers it. I don't know how else to say it. Um, all of the tech that we are using, uh, we're also looking at for launch next year, um, a tax platform that will assist with this in terms of what their tax installments would be, you know, tax planning um, and things like that as well. And again, specifically for real estate agents and brokers. So all of the tools that we're using, um, even if they are, you know, marketed generally, like as I said, Dext, QBO Zero, we are looking for how do we customize it specifically to how we know agents and brokers work. So um, those are just a few of the things that we're looking at internally. Um, HubSpot for our top of funnel, uh, Go Proposal. Um, I really love their um, pricing methodology has made um, the ability to scale uh, the sales team and basically anybody within the firm can go through a sales scoping call with a client and have consistent pricing through the whole firm, which is phenomenal. And again, way easier to do that when they're all the same industry or close. Um, and then into carbon is what we're using for practice management. Um, and yeah, so, but these are all things that I feel like 
with kind of the acquisition planning and the way that we've been going, um, I was able to set up the majority of all of those tools um, before we even before we even closed the deal. So that once we closed, it was everything was set up and ready to go, and it was a really smooth transition, which was awesome. A couple other tools that I found along the way that I'm really kind of in love with. Um, one is Chargeover. So it's actually where the invoices get generated and then we can send out because it's recurring charges, right? It's not our hourly billing. Um, but in the back end, I've connected it to both Stripe and then also Rotessa, which is a pre-authorized debit provider here in Canada. So that from a single platform, the client can choose either pre-authorized credit card charges or pre-authorized debit, and then it will just automatically run every uh, every month. So those are the kinds of things where even it's, you know, not how do we make sure that it's as robust as possible, but also how can we make sure that from the client side, there are as few touch points as possible in terms of getting information from them, right? We're able to do requests right from Carbon. Um, I don't have to send them a form to fill out for the pre-authorized. I just issue the invoice uh, through Chargeover and they get to pick which one they want, enter their information and we're good to go. So. It's just making sure that that, um, that that process is as smooth as possible for the client on the front end. Kind of ultimately, I mentioned the tax platform that we're talking about for next year. Ultimately, you know, the vision is from company formation all the way through to tax on the client side within a single looking platform. So there's different tech that's going on in the background, but the client sees kind of one place for everything um, that they need um, within their accounting year. It's I I believe you're the only other person I've met that also is on uh, Chargeover. We've we've been okay. with them for like seven years. Oh, you're kidding! <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always funny to me. You know, I'll hear like some larger companies, and it's like, oh well, this person handles our billing, and I hate chasing down clients and stuff like that. And and I just I'm like I, I guess I really take for granted that just that's not a yeah. thing for no, us. No, we like, don't need a separate person to manage our billings because yes. as soon as we've got the proposal sign in go proposal, we've got that zap straight over to charge over and then it's got the integrations and then back to, you know, my company's books. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just such here. Here's what I do see. What I do see is if you look at functionally what it does or what boxes it checks, it looks like it's redundant. So in an accounting brain, especially if you're in a larger firm that says, well, it does invoicing. Great. Yeah. So does my QBO. Well, it does payments. Great. Yeah. So does my QBO. Well, it, you know, does recurring. Yeah. Great. So does my QBO. Right. But when you look at, it lets you know, it lets the client know 30 days ahead of time when their credit card is expiring. It lets you know when something's been, um, been a payment's been attempted and it will do the dunning, you know, for repeated days after that. And so just the management of those things. Now, right now, it probably wouldn't take a lot to manage the payments that's happening with the client base because it's we're still under 200 clients. Um, so I feel like it's manageable. However, coming in and spending the time with the tech and the workflow that I was, it just makes the most sense to for all of the decisions that I'm making right now to make sure that they are going to scale as we grow. Because as we talked about earlier, I mean, let's say a broker comes on uh, with us, they have 30 agents um, that are with them. Even if only half of those agents also decided to work with us, 
that's 15 agents that are coming with that broker. And remember, the broker is the more kind of robust and complex um, entity there. Typically, right now, they onboard about one client a week. We can't wait 15 weeks <laughs> to onboard all these clients. So we're going to have to, you know, scale faster. And so that's what I feel like this opportunity um, is giving me a little bit is the time to make the right decisions for the tech to make sure not only that it's going to fit what we need for right now, but that it's also going to scale better. So for right now, is charge over needed? Probably not. Will it be needing if I'm onboarding 15, you know, real estate agents in a week? Absolutely. And the the Dunning and the the reach out of your card was expired self-service yes. and put a new one in. I mean, and I don't that takes do time. Yeah, yeah, it, it takes time. It's a huge and, time saver. And we we have a, a Zap set up. So I, I love when people are like on the same tech. So like we have a Zap <laughs> set up in Slack where we'll get notified if a card is declined, just even though it's on the front page of Chargeover, just we can see, yeah. okay, Brings it just happened. Time. Keep yeah. an eye on it. And there'll be times where I'll get notified and then by the time that I've looked into it, the client already took care of it themselves. Right. And, and we we didn't have to do anything. anything. So we, we really take <laughs> yeah. for granted. And like you said, it was redundant. We used to have QBO for all of our recurring payments. And the exact thing you just mentioned of, we have a client who his uh, credit card expired and so instead of chasing him down to get him back in charge over or back into QuickBooks, we're just killing his QuickBooks and he's already in charge over <laughs> right. because there's a sink and we're just creating his account in charge over saying, yeah, your subscription bounce self-service because yeah. like making the phone calls and then, you know, Nobody just going through all, it's such a waste of time. It and is. then if they give you wrong information, then you have to go back to them and, and all this stuff. And it's like, they can do that themselves. And most people this day and age, it's not like it's 2020 where it was like, I can't type my credit card information on a computer. <laughs> like, I have it memorized for Pete's sake. Like, yeah, that's not yeah. how the internet is. Yeah. Like the internet is for hamster dances and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and well, forwarding and even the choice, mails. Yeah, even the choice between credit card and debit. Um, So I don't, there are not, I don't know about in the US, there are not very many options um, in Canada that will actually do both. Um, And so again, it is the... um appearance of doing both in a single platform again two different providers happening on the back end but qbo payments in canada only does credit card it doesn't do ach and so um ach is you know by far cheaper so that direct debit solution far cheaper than uh, it is with credit cards and so the amount of money that i'm i'm going to be saving in the number of clients who actually prefer direct debit will more than pay for my chargeover um so i mean i'm i'm doing well. I'm doing well either way, right? I'm saving money. <laughs> this episode's brought to you by Chargeover. <laughs> no, we're kidding, right? Chargeover. Hey, help us yeah. out with some sponsorships. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they have like a $300 <laughs> referral, like refer a friend thing. Maybe I'll just plug that at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put my link. I'll put my link in the notes, in the show notes. <laughs> I will change it to make it mine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 8HV7W. That's there you go. There's $300 referral Visa gift card. Not a bad gig. How about you take the US ones? I'll take the Canadian ones. How about Deal. that? Deal. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> and awesome. Another, gosh, I, I geek out on this stuff. Like we, 
you know, the um, started getting the the credit card merchants to keep hiking up the fees and stuff. And Chargeover has a, you know, if they do credit card, then it'll automatically put the three percent on there. And them. most people yeah. are just like, yeah, cool, whatever. And that adds up over time. But you know what we were talking about before we went on this whole like, you should get Chargeover. It's pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, yeah. but it's about having that right foundation. Yes. And I can tell you when I started my company and it was just me by myself in my living room, scale was not on my mind at all. Right. I was extremely price conscious about yep. everything. And, you know, it's a good problem to have when you outgrow your software, but at the same time, <laughs> it's a big it's, pain in the butt. It is a huge pain. Yeah. And then you're trying to juggle, okay, here's a new one, but I only know how to do it in the old one. So I'm just going to do it in the old one and then I'll figure it out later. On <laughs> oh gosh. And then your new one doesn't have all the information that yeah. you thought you wanted to have. And then it does a whole bunch of stuff the other one didn't do. And it's, it is very, very difficult. I'd say starting yeah. out on like a spreadsheet is better than picking. <laughs> it is because at least software. you can import that into yeah, wherever like you're going. Sometimes have, you can export out easily. Yeah, like having the ability to export a CSV of like the information that you have. I'd I'd say that is better than picking the wrong thing up front and <laughs> yeah. needing to change it. Like as as I'm yeah. saying, it's like I wish starting over. And, and we've gotten really good at Zapier to make stuff work. Yeah. But if upfront, it's like, ah, but it's $50 a month more for XYZ product that would fit us better. But ah, like so price conscious, which makes sense. You yeah. don't want to waste money on things, but also, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, it comes back around. And if you're looking to grow a company, having the good tech stack as a foundation, it makes growth easier. And, you know, our pre, pre the focus on accounts and get all the workflow, everything we, we had a, a time in the company like five years ago and we'd literally get 100 new clients per day. And it was, it was pure, absolute <laughs> insanity. Yeah. We That's, worked with this had partner. To have been chaos. It was, we went from 30 employees to 50 employees pretty much overnight to yeah. keep up with this. It was like a partner that was just throw, they would just sell business. Like they just sold. They basically were a sales force for us. Okay. And just all they did was be a sales. And they were just wow. like, we make so much money on the front end yeah. and then just dump everything to, yeah. to my company. So it was cool while it lasted, but right. you know, getting that much all at once and then having to, scale our our staff get them all trained up we didn't have any yeah. scalability there it was just oh hey new guy yeah sit with him and just you know after a week you'll figure it out enough and see you <laughs> yeah. and then you got 20 of them and it's like we don't have it's like okay well two people with this person and then the guy that's been here for a month is training and has no idea how it was pure 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 chaos but yeah so that's a actually... learning lesson oh i'm sure but I think I thank you for bringing up that point because just as you know, going into a tech situation and making sure that you know that you're choosing tech that can scale, is I've also been doing that essentially on the human resource side of things as well and on the people side. 
Um, because let's say that, you know, as I mentioned, let's say that one broker comes on, they've got 30 agents, half the agents come with us again. How are we then going to serve, you know, that many new clients? Because we could have like, depending on how large the brokerage is, we could have one or two people just focused on that one brokerage. And that's all they do just because it's such a huge client. And so, um, working with, you know, some of the, onshore, offshore, shore, shared service, you know, looking at some of those around as well, um, just to make sure that, again, if we get on one or two brokerages in a month, that could mean a lot of, a lot more work very quickly. And so um, working with teams like that, um, with David Olson and his team at Nimble based out of Utah, um, and I think their team is in the Philippines, um, working with Cecilia Gradillo um, and some uh, Latinx education that she's doing for accounting students and getting those more involved in the accounting industry. And I think that not only are we, you know, making really smart decisions in terms of scaling resource, but we're also making sure that we stick with, you know, one of our solid foundations, which is the diversity and inclusion. And so making sure that, you know, we're not just looking for the people closest in our network, which tend to be the most like us, but that we're really kind of extending beyond maybe more traditional hiring methods to make sure that we are, um, that we're really living our values across the board. So um, yeah, I mean, it's super exciting. I'm, I'm really uh, excited about it. We haven't gone through our first tax season yet. So maybe ask me again in about six months. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm super excited. Yeah. yeah. Tax season for us is called when everybody's allowed to take PTO because <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody is installing software. Yeah. Nobody's point, right? like, yeah, let's take a look at what, at making things better and more yep. secure while I've yep. got five weeks of work ahead of me and four days yeah. to do it. Yeah. Well, that's... and even then I'm working with stamp.ai. So, um, Simon and his team over there, um, where, we basically have a built-in overflow for tax. So if we start to get, again, that those regular recurring clients um, faster than we think, um, then not only can we, can we get uh, the stamp team to work on those maybe more complex returns or maybe the basic ones so that I've got somebody in-house working on the more complex ones, but just so that we've got like that overflow um, of work there. So it's, again, very intentional through every piece of the accounting firm to make sure not only that we've got an existing solution and a workable solution, but that it will scale not only in tech, but also in the resources and in the people involved. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, Rachel, I want to be conscious of your time. Uh, winding down, where can people find more about you? Uh, LinkedIn, of course, uh, Rachel Fish on Twitter at Fishbooks. Um, and of course, check out uh, realtytax.ca uh, so far, although we're looking to expand to the US next year. So um, if we only serve Canada this year, just wait a little while and we'll get to you next year. <laughs> we'll just publish it next year and just see what sure. happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. well, Rachel, thank you for being on the show. It was great Thanks talking so to much. you and, and charge over wink, wink, nudge, nudge, maybe uh... <laughs> <laughs> a little love come yeah, a little, way. little love on the, on the backside, uh, but <laughs> it was, it's great having you on the show. And as always, if your firm is curious as to whether or not your person that you trust, who's probably doing a great job, but if you're a little, want a second opinion, you could go to tech4accountants.net, schedule a free audit, and we can let you know whether or not things are what they should be, ways that you could help um, yourself, or you know, if maybe your, your tech person's not the person anymore, maybe we could 
step in and fill those shoes. But until next time, thank you, Rachel, and everyone for listening to the Tech Talk for Accountant Show. Thanks for listening to the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I hope you enjoyed today's guest. And remember, you can go to techforaccountants.net slash podcast to book a complimentary IT audit conducted by a technician certified by the AICPA in cybersecurity. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast.